very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter number 18. Genesis chapter number 18. We're going to finish a series that we started several weeks ago called Be a Man. Be a Man. I've had a lot of feedback on this series, and so we're excited about what God's saying really to us. It's not just a series for men, it's a series for anybody, and so we're, we're excited about what God's been saying, but we're going to start in the book of Genesis, but let me just take a moment just to kind of review a little bit and to share a few more thoughts. We have started with a verse that we've been sharing every week that Paul wrote to the church in Corinthians, and he said, hey, he said, act like men, act like men. You know, a lot of times we really don't know what that means, especially today in this society. I came across this quote by Joseph Stowell, and, and he was the former president of Moody Bible Institute, and he said this, I was born male, but early in my life I learned that being male did not necessarily make me a man. I discovered that I had a new task in life, to go beyond just being a male and discover what it means to be a man. I have a task in life to go beyond just being a male and discover what it really means to be a man. And so over the past few weeks, we've been talking and kind of putting together what we believe it is and it means to be a man. And we started with week one saying, hey, you have to be a man of humility because nothing kills masculinity. Biblical manhood quite like pride. Pride is a killer because pride ultimately says I don't need anyone, I don't need anything, and ultimately it says I don't need God. I don't need God. So we have to get rid of pride. We have to walk in humility. We have to be a man of humility. And then the following week I preached a message about how we are supposed to be a man who steps up and takes responsibility right? Maturity does not come with age. Maturity comes with the acceptance of responsibility. And so we have to step up and, and, and life is not a game. It's not a game where we score points and try to collect, uh, you know, wins. No, what the Bible says is life is a race. And we just run this race, and it's the race that God set out for us. And the race that he has for me is not the race that he has for you. So I don't need to compare myself to anyone else. Amen? And you know what? Here's the thing about running a race. If I fall down, I get back up. I said, if I fall down, I get back up. The Bible says in Proverbs, a righteous man falls seven times but gets back up, right? Now, seven is not a mathematical limit, because otherwise we'd all be disqualified, right? Seven is just a, an expression to let you know, hey, don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Hey, listen, if you fall down, guess what? Get back up and keep running. Don't check out. Don't check out of the marriage. Don't check out uh, of passion and, and, and your dream. Listen, be someone who is willing to run the race that God has for them. So we talked about that, and then last week, Pastor Alex preached a great message about being a man of integrity, right? Being a man of character, and, and being a man who, who God looks at and says, I can trust you with my presence, I can trust you with my anointing and my gifts, and so all of those messages you can catch on our podcast, and, and today I want to talk to you about the final piece of what it means to be a man. Let's read from Genesis chapter number 18. If you're new to grace, you'll find that we'll put the scriptures up on the screen. You can follow along in your notes as well. 
Here's Genesis chapter number 18. We're going to start with verse 17. And it says this, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Verse 19 says, For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they may keep the way of the Lord, watch this, to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. The Bible is pretty clear on why God chose Abraham. God chose Abraham because he says, I see in Abraham a man who will leave a legacy behind him. It says, I see in Abraham a man who will teach his children that will go on to teach their children and there will be a legacy that will spring forth from Abraham and so I choose him. In the New Living Translation, I love this. It says this, I have singled him out. I have singled him out to to teach his children to do what is right and what is just. And if you're here today, listen guys, every male in this place, every man in this place, you need to know God has singled you out. You are not here by accident. You didn't just randomly show up. God chose you. Listen, you didn't find God. God wasn't lost. You were the one who was lost and God found you and he singled you out for a reason. So that you can begin a legacy. And if you were not handed a godly heritage, if you were not handed a godly legacy, you can begin today. Somebody say amen. You can start right where you're at. So God has singled you out. He really has. And we have to understand, listen, life is brief. Life really is brief. There's there's a brevity to life. In fact, James chapter 4, verse 14 says, hey, this life is like a vapor, man. It is here one minute and it is gone the next. I read this quote by Beth Moore that I want to show you. Here's what Beth Moore said. She said, this is our time on the history line of God. This is it. What will we do with the one deep exhale of God on the earth? For we are but a vapor and we have to make it count. What will you do with this this brief moment? What will you do with this exhale, right? That God breathed out and you showed up and you're just here for a little while. And we don't know how long that is, but you're here for a little while and you have to make your life count while you're here because we only go around once. This is it. This is our moment. I kind of have a unique perspective sometimes on eternity because I don't know if you knew this or not, but but my father and I share the same name. I'm actually a second, so now you know. There you go. And he's passed away. He's been passed away now for, for 12 years. He's, he's gone on to be with the Lord. And my dad was a veteran, and he's buried in kind of north-central Florida, at Florida National Cemetery up there. And so when we went up there for the burial, I saw a tombstone with my name. It was my name. I remember looking at it for the very first time, and it kind of just hit you for a moment because you see your exact name on a tombstone, and it just catches you, and it, it just kind of reminds you, you know what? Life is brief. We're only here for a, a, a brief moment. We have to make our life count 
while we're here, right? We have to make our life count for that. So there's three components to a legacy. I want to give these to you. Every legacy has three components to them. And the first one is this. It's a spiritual component. Legacy has a spiritual component. And then there is the family component, right? And the spiritual one is by far the most important and everything else flows from it. So the family one flows from a spiritual component. And then the final one is the financial component. And some may say, well, that's not important, but it is important. But it's not necessarily maybe what you think it is. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. So those are the the three components that we have. But the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. Let me give this verse to you. It says this, that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Now, that's not because they love their grandchildren more than their children. Although, I've met some grandparents. No, no. Here's why. Because by default, we leave an inheritance to our children. Most everyone, by default, the things that they own is passed on to their children, There's no planning involved. But to leave an inheritance to your children's children requires intentionality. It requires a plan. It requires action. It requires effort. You have to make some choices. And what the Bible is saying is this, is that for you to leave a godly heritage, you are going to have to make some choices. You're going to have to plan. It's going to have to be intentional. You cannot leave a godly legacy by default. Did you hear me now? You're going to have to make an effort. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So let's talk about what that looks like. I want to give you just four things real quick. Four things that we want to leave behind us when we go. And the first one is this. We want to leave a legacy of compassion and generosity. Leave a legacy of compassion and generosity. I never want it to be said of me, I was just a collector, right? I never want it to be said of me that, that I was stingy, that, that I refused to let go of that which God has blessed me with. I want to be a person who is generous. I want to be a person who's compassionate, who's willing to reach out and, hey, if we get burned, right? Hey, if we, if we reach out and nobody reaches back, it's okay. I, I'm not going to stop reaching because I never want to get to that person place where I'm cynical, where, where I'm hard, where I've now been offended. And so I refuse to reach out. I refuse to let my heart be touched anymore. I want to make sure that my heart stays tender and that I am a man filled with compassion and a generous soul, right? I want to be generous, right? And I want my kids to be able to say, hey, dad, he was generous, man. He was a giver. He, he gave. He gave almost to a fault, man. He was willing to give. When he saw a need, he was willing to meet it, man. He volunteered. He served. He did everything that he could. He was just a giver. I want my kids to be able to say that to, of me. I want that to be my legacy. You see, when Jesus taught on the Good Samaritan, when he told that parable, he said there was a Samaritan. And listen, here's what the Samaritan did. The Samaritan was moved with compassion. Not that he felt compassion. It was an action. He was literally moved. He walked towards the man with compassion. And he took money out of his own pocket to take care of the man, money that he knew he would never see again, right? 
And God says that's the kind of person we're to be, a generous person, right? And, and we should leave a financial legacy to, to our family. We should leave some finances. We should lo- do the best we can to set them up for the future, right? If you've seen that bumper sticker that says, I'm spending my children's inheritance. Listen, that's ungodly, right? It's unbiblical and it's ungodly. We should do everything we can to help our kids and and set them up as best we can. But the best thing that we can leave them is a legacy of giving. Amen? Dad's a giver, right? Dad's faithful in that area. Dad is generous. Dad is compassionate. If there was a need, my dad would, would do everything he could to reach out and meet that need. So that's the first thing. And the second one is this. We want to leave a legacy of strong convictions. Listen, nothing kills manhood like pride and then also weak convictions, man. Weak convictions will kill masculinity, biblical manhood. I had a a teenager text me one time, true story, and said, you're too hard on your kids. They're just going to rebel. You're too strict. When they leave your house, they're going to go wild, right? I didn't text back. Because I thought, he doesn't get it, right? I'm not going to lower my standard out of fear, right? I'm not going to lower morality. I'm not going to lower what I believe the Bible says and how we're according to live. And I'm not going to say, hey, hey, yeah, my kids might rebel. So let me, let me just lower the boundaries. Let me just, let me just say, hey, let's make it easier on them just in case for out of fear they may rebel, right? Because I don't see God doing that in his word. I don't see God up there in heaven going, oh no, I've got some kids rebelling. I must be too hard on them. Maybe I'll give them another Bible that they can read that's much easier. Does God do that? No. So, so I decided I'm not going to do it either. This is the standard. These are the boundaries. This is how we're going to live. And it's not just going to be taught. We're going to walk it out. I've told my kids all their life, you can do what I do, say what I say, listen to what I listen to, and watch what I watch. You can do all those things, and we're going to have strong convictions in our family. And if, listen, you walk away from our house and you ultimately rebel, you walk away from God, that is on you. I'm still going to sleep good at night because I know I did my absolute best living according to God's word. Somebody say, amen. Amen. And ultimately, they'll respect you for it. Ultimately, they will respect you for having strong convictions. Thomas Carlyle said this. He said, conviction is worthless until it converts itself into daily living. It has to convert itself. Conviction by itself, without any corresponding action, without it translating into holy living, isn't conviction. God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter number 18, he said, he will teach his children to do what is right and what is just, right? And then the third thing is this. We want to leave a legacy of a love for God's house. Just a love for God's house. Right? Solomon actually had a love for God's house that was passed on from his father, David. David loved God so much, right? He said, listen, I'd rather be a doorkeeper just on the outskirts of God's house than to be celebrated someplace else. God, God, David loved God's house. 
and he passed it on to Solomon and Solomon continued what David did and he loved God's house and he built a temple, right? And so it's passed on. This past Monday, I went out to, to breakfast with my pastor of 39 years, Pastor Tom Peters, and my wife and I were having breakfast with, with Pastor and Sister Peters, and we were talking about all sorts of stuff. I don't know how we got on the fishing. Most of the time, we're talking about fishing. Believe it or not, they love to fish, and, and so I don't like it, and so we were talking about how he loved it, and I don't. And so, but ultimately, as we we're going on the conversation, we started talking about my dad, because my dad went to that church uh, for years, years, decades. He was a deacon there. And it was interesting. I, I said, Pastor, remember the first time he walked in? 1978, he walked into that church. And he met us in the parking lot afterwards. Because he heard somebody speaking in tongues. And he said, I will never go into that church again as long as I live. Right? But he did. And, he, and Pastor said... Brian, I remember vividly your dad getting saved. I remember that it was in the back of Hawkins Hall. It was a men's meeting, and he got on his knees, and he just lifted his hands. He said he had tears just streaming down his face, right? And he just surrendered his life to God, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And his life was changed. Man, my dad still had some rough spots, right? He was, a, he was a, an alcoholic for years of his life. He, he was a Navy guy. His Korean vet, and, and he had his rough moments, and he loved to fight up until an advanced age where he should not have been, but he still, man, if you looked at him wrong, he, he didn't mind throwing blows, and that was just my dad, and, and he had a temper, and sometimes you felt it, but I tell you what he did pass on to me. He passed on a love for God's house. I said to Pastor, I was sitting there in the booth, and I said, Pastor, you know, I never, ever remember my parents at the kitchen table or anywhere else ever discussing, should we go to church today? That was never a topic of conversation. I never heard them ask each other the question. It was always just understood. Today's Sunday. We're going to church. It wasn't an option. I said, I didn't have a choice. They loaded me up. I mean, that's it. You, you, you just went. And so my dad loved church. He loved our pastor. He volunteered. He served. And he passed that on to me. And I've been passing it on to my kids because they don't have a choice. Praise the Lord, right? We're going to church, but, but they want to go. They're excited to go. I'll never forget my 20-year-old my son when he was 14, man. We were at the South Florida Fair. And if you know me, you know that the, the fair is a religious experience for me. It's not, it's not a spiritual one, but it's a religious one. That means I do the same thing every year, right? I eat my way from one end of the fair to the other. And, and I have a brief window because of our 21 days of fasting. I have a very brief window to enjoy the fair. So it was a Sunday afternoon and, and man, I'd bought tickets and spent all this money and I bought them wristbands and we're walking around the fair and, and you know, it's get, 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 getting kind of late and my, my son says, dad, we got to go. We got youth tonight. I said, you're not going. He said, what are you talking about? I said, you are not going. I've spent all this money, Right. You are going to enjoy yourself here. Now go on a ride and eat a sausage. I mean, I was just like, what, what else is there, right? So he got all mad at me. He's like, what? And he pouted the whole night, just walking around with his head down, 
I'm going, come on already. But he just loved church and still to this day, he just got home last night. He spent the last 10 days in Israel and he's in Bible college and he loves church and he serves in church. All of my kids, right? And you've got to pass that down. And so one day when I have grandchildren, one day they're going to love God's house, right? They're, and you pass it on from one generation to another generation. Hallelujah. Leave a legacy of a love for God's house and a commitment to God's house. And then the fourth one is this. You want to leave a legacy of growth and advancement. Growth and advancement. You're never too old. I believe this with all my heart. You're never too old to grow and to increase. You're never too old for that. The person who said you can't teach an old dog new tricks just hadn't met the right dog. Come on now. There are some dogs. There's got to be. There's some, some old dogs you could teach something to. Listen, we never have to get to a point where we say, I'm done. I'm done growing, right? I want to be crazy grandpa. Does anybody have one of those crazy grandpas? I want to be that guy, right? What is he doing now? He's lost it, right? I want to be that guy. Try new things. Let's do it, right? I've determined I have a new age for old. Are you ready? Here's my age for old. 120. That's old. If you are 120, you are old. You are dirt old. You understand? You are old. But if you are less than 120, you are still young. Hallelujah. You are young. How many young people we got in the house? And if you're still breathing, God's not done with you. And you have to say, listen, I'm still going to grow. I'm still going to advance. I don't care if you're 30, 40, 50, or whatever age you are. You need to let the people behind you that are coming up see that you are not too old to grow. Amen. And advance. David Livingston said, I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward. Hallelujah. As long as it is forward, we have to keep moving. We have to keep moving. I want to show you this morning. I want to show you a video. We're going to put it on in just a minute. And we're going to dim the lights. But I just want to tell you about this video because there's a moment in the video I want to revisit. And I'll talk to you about it when I get there. But watch this video about a son who gets news about his father. Watch this this morning.
keep the lights dim for just a minute. I showed you that video because I don't want you to think for a moment that leaving a legacy requires major choices, these big things that you have to do. There was a moment, moment in that video where a man is sitting at a kitchen table and he's paying bills and just writing out checks and he sees his young son sitting there with a football and he makes a choice that is not that difficult. It's not that hard. And it was just that choice that was followed up by another choice. You want to know how to leave a legacy for those that are behind you, a godly legacy? You make choices, simple choices that aren't really that difficult because it's really not that difficult to wake up in the morning a little early and open the word of God and say, God, help me, teach me to be the father and the husband that I need to be. It's just choices. The choice to be compassionate and generous, right? Just to be that choice, the choice to live with strong convictions, the choice to say, hey, we're going to go to God's house and we're going to love God's house and serve in God's house. And, and it's a choice to say, hey, listen, I'm never beyond growing and learning. 